Okay, folks, welcome to the UK Rental Market Report. This is the quarter three of 2022, according to Zoopla. Um, I've got Richard on the show today about this. Afternoon, Jim. This is actually quite a good report. I've, I've, had a, I've had a good look through and it's got some interesting stats and, and things for us to cover today. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to be dealing with as well is uh, we're going to be looking at the Fife market as well in comparison to this. Um, and you're going to talk about that because obviously you're the letting uh, just to just to give you your official title, Letting's Director for Five Property, <laughs> so you know where it is. Now, I'm going to quickly stick my jacket on because this white is putting my white balance out. <laughs> <laughs> this is this talking like, amongst yourselves thing? I'll be like, no, you're all right. I'm just going to stick this on. <laughs> uh, there you go. Because see how my face changes. See how that. Yeah, that's it. You can see me now because that's what happens. The white balance goes out because of the camera um, and the lighting. So the lighting just goes out of skew. Um, so that's that done. Um, so let's talk about this, Richard. Um, yeah. uh, do you want to go over the executive summary? Yeah, of course. I mean, it states in obviously the Zoopla market report here at the start in the summary, summary it says that rental growth um, is close to peaking at 12.3% per annum and average mm -hmm. rents have risen by £115 per month. Uh, which is uh, over the last year, and that is a thousand pounds and fifty-one over the last year, which is quite a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, but let's put this in context. Let's put this in context. This is over the rest of the UK, according yeah. to Zoopla. This isn't Fife as well. No. So that's what. Just about the next. The thing I was going to say is the Zoopla reports do obviously draw in for the whole of the UK. They concentrate quite a lot on London in comparison. So that's why we're going to break it down uh, to Fife a wee bit as we go through, because it does go on to say London's rental growth um, at seventeen point eight percent is unsustainable and reflects a rebound in rents after a double-digit decline over the uh, after uh, over the pandemic. Um, and then rising rents yeah. are added oh, to the cost see, of living. See that we right, right there? Yep. Yeah. Um, where it says it's unsustainable, but it reflects a rebound in rents after a double-digit double decline digit. over yeah. the pandemic. So in isolation, 17.8% might look like a lot, but taken over a five- or ten-year period, it actually smooths it out to, <laughs> to not that very much, if not a, a, an increase at all. Yeah, because obviously it's say that we had that double digit decline over the pandemic. So mm -hmm. it, it kind of like it's this swing and swings and roundabouts type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um rising rents are adding to the cost of living pressures, which is pushing renters to look for smaller homes. Um demand for two bedroom flats is increased. Now we I spoke to you about this the other day just in conversation and uh, Kern and I, um our Lettings agent Kern were speaking about uh, the popularity of flats and in particular two and three bedroom uh, flats and apartments whatever yeah, you yeah. refer to them as um so we do see, we have been seeing that uh, the shift to smaller homes is being reinforced by rising energy costs as we'll all be aware with gas yeah, needed yeah. to heat a purpose-built flat 40 percent lower than it is to to heat a three-bedroom house uh, in wow, comparison. wow. Um, which is so which is a big difference. People, do you do you foresee then if you look at that just that sound bite in itself do you foresee possibly that some people actually might consider moving downsizing from a a, a, a house to a, a flat or an apartment uh, to make it more affordable i do see that being a trend and i, I already see it being a bit of a trend i mean true on the back of the of lockdown and things then um, we had quite a lot of interest in two and three bedroom houses everybody wanted a garden yeah. which, i mean that was a popular thing and they are still popular 
But uh, and you said it all the way through, Jim. Keep your eye on uh, flats; they'll be they'll, they'll they'll become popular again. Although they've, they've always been a, a staple uh, in the rental market, they'll become obviously popular again. And and it's come around that they are going to start to be um, yeah, yeah. more sought after due to the fact that they're cheaper to look after mm -hmm. um, and cheaper to heat and things. Obviously, with the cost of living and 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 the energy crisis and things as well. Um, so I do see that happening. But then you need to think if people start to move. Obviously, they're going to have. Well, we've got the rental freeze at the moment, so the rental the price that they've got at the moment is going to stay as it is for the foreseeable and well, until March anyway. Well, but if they move, then they're going to have to take on a higher rent. About the rental price staying and freezing, and why people uh, and I've still no worked out why anybody's panicking about this because a rental freeze in place in Scotland isn't they neither here nor there because the majority of landlords actually don't increase the rent for a tenant when they're in situ. Yeah. Um, so why would it bother anybody anyway? Um, so, you know, wasting energy and time and effort and and on the fear of, oh, I'm not going to increase my rents. Uh, but if we look at it in the past, we've never increased our rents anyway um, when a tenant's been in situ. So the rental freeze is immaterial in the scope yeah. of things. It just, it yeah. just, it's just a soundbite. It's almost like a political um a political play um, in order to gain uh, votes um for for the current government um that's all yeah. i could say uh, and you it's, know it's I'm, a way of them displaying or, or or make it we're doing something oh we're doing something but you're not yeah. really doing anything because it was already it's like saying uh, it's, it's like saying i tell you what we'll give everybody um everybody that's over six over 90 over 90 and has one leg and uh, and is blind um a hundred thousand each to live on yeah. Uh, well, there's nobody like that anyway. So, <laughs> so it's like it's a kind of same. It falls. It, it maybe sounds great, but it falls on deaf ears really because it's not really worth the paper it's written on, and it, it makes no sense at all. So, a, a rent freeze really until March next year is is neither here nor there because it really doesn't affect anybody. And universal credit as well, it won't affect that either because they won't be able to legislate against universal credit and what no. the government actually, the UK government actually approves as well. Yeah, and we demonstrated that last week, Jim, when we spoke, and we used your portfolio as an example and how often we've actually implemented rent increases over the years. And God, I think it was... Well, I think, I think we had we had come to the conclusion that inflation had gone up 43% since 2006, where I had my rent. Yep. And my rent for that same property had actually increased 28%. So in actual fact, um, I was actually losing money in real terms according to um, according to the statistics. Um, but um, when you take it as your rent's got up 28%, everybody thinks that's a lot of money, but if your inflation's 43%, I'm actually losing. Um, yeah. So rents are not going up as fast as people, are, or as fast as the media and as fast as the governments make out to be over the longer period of time. They're going out in the short term, um, but that, that's, that's how they choose to play it. Yeah. Um, look at example inflation. Inflation dropped yesterday. I hope, mm -hmm. Did anybody notice that? I, I know you did. Nineteen. Uh... Aye. Inflation dropped yesterday slightly um, from the previous month. So overall, in headline inflation dropped. However, um, they chose to focus on um, food inflation uh, actually higher in that micro bit in that we bit itself. Um, and well, never highlight the fact that actual inflation's yeah. But they wouldn't. They don't want to come on the news and say inflation has actually dropped, do they? They, they want a headline. They want to, they want something to focus on that everybody's going to be fearful about. So in order to talk about them and share their news online, so they can get more adverts and get more advertising and get more revenue in. That's what that's designed to do. So we're getting played. 
um, yeah. by the by the media, um, especially. Um, the chronic, uh, there's no there's no doubt about it though. The chronic undersupply of rental homes has shown no sign of changing, which means that rents will continue to post uh, above average growth rates into 2023, despite cost of living headwinds. Um, now, um, that's obviously not going to be the case for um, Scotland, but it will be because if you change tenancies, you're still entitled to increase your rent yes. after the next tenancy. But supply, it's supply and demand, isn't it? I yes. don't think that a government should dictate what you should be charging if somebody doesn't want to use it. Um, so they can choose at the point of sale. It's like walking into a shop and saying, by the way, your pint of milk is only ever going to be a pound. Uh, and yeah. when you get a new batch of pint of milk in, it's still going to be a pound. But hold it, I'm paying pound fifty for the new pint of milk from the supplier. So I can't just pass it on to a pound anymore. And that's why the that's why the similar circumstances with the with the rentals, when they become empty and they become relet, then the rent can actually be reviewed again. But again, it's supply and demand, whether the consumer wants to buy it at that rate or not. And if they don't, then that's fine. But the chronic undersupply I've suggested, and I've talked about it the other night, Richard, is also getting exacerbated by the fact that there is landlords out there, and I know that because we're on the forums all the time, saying that rather than actually going to relet their house now, they've chosen to sell it. So in Fife, the housing stock for rent for private landlords has gone down 1,200 properties in the last five years. So there's now less properties for rent in the private rented market than there was five years ago. Now, that can only get worse. So how do we how do we combat that? And that's you know that's another show. Let's let's not get into that. That's a big I'm going to get on my high horse, and I'm going to. That's a big topic to digress. Uh, yeah, exactly. So let's look at the let's look at the 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 widening supply. Let's look at a wee graph here, which demonstrates yeah. what we just spoke about. So here is the five year rental demand. So five year rental demand, rental demand versus five year average. You can see that mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Okay. So there's 2022. Rental demand versus the five-year average, 142 percent up. In 2021, it was 64 percent up. In 2020, it was 20 percent up. Um, that's a startling statistic, isn't it? That versus is. the five-year average. Yeah, yeah. In comparison, but, the five-year. I mean, that's why on earth is that happening? I don't understand. However, look, stock of homes for rent versus five-year average above. Hence the reason why you've only got 20 percent there then it restricts, it goes down. Now, there are people taking profits because the prices of houses have gone up now. Now they're exiting mm -hmm. the market for the, they're no longer renting. So 21% yeah. down, and then even more, 46% down. There is the problem. And it's the failure of the government to realise that with and, and actually build additional housing and make sure there's housing in place to accommodate that shortage of supply. Yeah. Um, it's caused this problem overall. So... Uh, a message to the Scottish government, stop pointing the fingers at the private landlords because it's not us that's caused this problem. It's yeah. your failure to deal with an adequate housing policy. Over the last 11 years, you've been in power. Anyway, yeah, and we went through that, Jim. We went through the actual stats for that. Uh, was it last Wednesday? Um, yes. So show. the flow of new supply versus five-year average in 2020, it was 20% more. Yep. It was 2% less in 2021 and 7% less in 2022. Um, so the flow of new supply, that's the number of properties coming into the market yeah. versus that. So the number of properties coming into market are actually declining. And then when we look at the year-on-year -year rental growth, um, the year-on-year -year rental growth is 0, 2%, and then 12% .2%. as well. Quite startling statistics, eh? Yeah. Um, the widening supply and demand imbalances, it drives rents 
higher. Um, so rents accelerate in the face of chronic under supply shortage. Uh, let's yep. talk about this. So let me just uh, talk about this in, in essence. Uh, rental growth has accelerated over the last 12 months from the from an annual average rate of less than 2% in July 2021 to 12.3% uh, to uh, today. Average rent increases throughout the UK by 115,000, uh, by 115,000, good. <laughs> yeah, good. That would be, be something. <laughs> by 115,000 per month uh, since last year to stand at £1,051 per calendar month for the average rental property in the UK, remember. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important to, to emphasise this is the whole of the UK and not could just... You, could you give me a rough idea about what it is in Fife, Richard? For the, the annual rental growth for... No, average no average rental average rental in Fife. I mean, how much is it, how much is the average rental in Fife? The average rental in Fife at the moment, I think, is about 720-something, I think it was when we looked. Yeah, and that's because... Is that getting skewed because we've got a lot of higher-value properties in there? Is that, uh, that, again, when we look at Fife as a whole... We draw in areas like the East Newkins and Andrews and think, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Higher value properties. And the average, I think, I, I, I'd have to look at, I think it was about 723 or 725 or something was the average rental yeah. price, which mm -hmm. people think that's that's quite high. But you need to take into consideration areas like St Andrews and things are, are uh, included in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that does skew it a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. And the fact that you do have student lets incorporated into there as well, yeah. as well as your uh, as well as your mainstream uh, areas where where it's bigger bigger value, um, yeah. and and the average though, and most of the towns like Kirkcaldy, Clonrothes, and uh, and Leven, and uh, Dunfermline, you know, is is that does that is that a lot less significantly? It, it, it's not vastly uh, less. I mean, we're doing we're doing three bedroom houses in areas like Clonrothes and Kirkcaldy for six hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. So when you saw that, I mean, it's not too far off what we're talking about—the average three-bedroom house. Um, but then, obviously, when you come into um, two-bedroom flats and things that are around about the five fifty uh, mark and things, so in Kirkcaldy, anyway. Do you feel uh, that as a proportion of somebody's income is uh, that's unsustainable? Um, let me just check that times twelve um, equals uh, seven thousand eight hundred, <laughs> and divide that by the average. Divide it by the average salary, which is about thirty thousand pounds. Thirty thousand, yeah. Uh, comes to about twenty six percent of your income. Now, I know, I know, if something's twenty five percent, no, I'm not going to say that because I, I don't know for that for definite. But I know twenty six percent is a is still okay. I know when we were paying a mortgage in the in the nineties, uh, in the early nineties and uh, late eighties, um, it was about uh, the mortgage was actually round about thirty six percent of your income. So the rent here is only about 26% of the average income in terms of these areas. So it's still tolerable, still affordable. Yeah. It's just that people at the time have actually chosen to spend their money on other things like um, like luxury items, like things that are, could be cut back on, which is about 15% of their income. We had done a previous uh, uh, statistical analysis of that, and we'd come to, we'd come to the uh, analysis that 15% of the, the income in a household is actually going on luxuries. Luxury, it is leisure, like, yeah. Holidays, days out, theatre, uh, cinema, um, 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 restaurants, um, takeaways. And these are all things that could actually be easily cut back on. So that takes up about 15% of your income. Now, when you think about your rent is 25%, that's 15%, then you've accommodated for 25, 30, 40% of your income already. Um, so where does the rest go? Food, food as well. 
and um, so that's a significant part as well and um, but i do you think uh, the fact that rent is is that so-called high i mean you know it's 25 percent of the income um is 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 a barrier uh, or is a is a problem right now do you think that because it's that level it is a problem right now and in, in, in your opinion I don't feel like it's coming across as a problem. There are certain uh, people who are being priced out of the market in certain areas. Um, yeah. I have seen that happening. But like you say, Jim, it's not that a big proportion of the average salary. What I do think is people are obviously driving this, or maybe even the media driving this, like rent rents are through the roof and things. And But really, when we've looked at it, they're really just being brought in line with the current market and it's kind of making up for those years where it's it's not increased i mean like you yeah. like we looked at last week no, there's so no many people no all this time all yeah. these years and years and years i never had the media or the scottish government coming on and sitting and talking about how rents are so low yeah <laughs> and that's why i think now that things and are getting brought poor in line landlords really need to be helped out and rents yeah. need to go up because these poor landlords can't afford that um no i never see i never saw anybody talking about that um, over all the successive years from the credit crunch, where it was it was almost peak rental levels, and then it dropped dramatically and never recovered for at least the next ten years. Yeah, I think in, in areas in popular areas like uh, Kirkcaldy, Glenrothes, Leven, throughout Fife that are really popular, even Cooper. I mean, rents have increased, but I think not beyond the realms of where people can't afford yeah. them. It's still, I mean, the rental market still faces a chronic imbalance of supply and demand, doesn't it? And this has led to a surge in the rents, um, you know, so-called surge, temporary, short-term surge, I would say. A stock of the stock of homes for rent remains almost half compared to the, uh, the the last five years available on average. And the average letting agent has just about eight homes available for rent. What have we got? Well, uh, in total, we have got. I mean, I've got I've got eight available. Funnily enough, <laughs> I've got five that we've just got uh, no. Uh, but we know average. Well, I've got eight, eight available. Five I've just let agreed uh, in the last week, so they're not available as such. Um, and then I've got two commercial properties at the moment. But so we're literally um, down to three, three properties available. Sorry. So we're we down to three properties available. No, no I've that? got eight available. I've got oh, five right, okay. that, are, that are sitting as let agreed. That's five that have just been let. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we've still got eight available. Eight. Yeah, so we had 13. I was about to say, let's all take a holiday next week. No, 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 no. I've got 13. I've actually got 15 sitting on the market, but two of them are commercials. Five are let agreed and eight are available. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, and then, so if, if there's people out there, um, I genuinely will say this, uh, hand on heart, if you're out there and you're considering renting, please feel free to come to us. There's a huge shortage of supply just now for people. Uh, so we need to get people into houses and get them with a roof over their head and, 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 uh, and security of tenure as well um because well you get security of tenure now don't you because you've got the prt which is yeah. uh, no longer you can you um evict somebody through no fault eviction that's no. been taken away years ago um and it's an open-ended lease so the only way you can evict somebody is under one of the grounds um, and most of these grounds now are discretionary mandatory. rather than mandatory yeah. um so again it's up to the tribunal whether we actually go through that process and actually um uh, grant the eviction um so it's become a lot easier um, to enter the market for a tenant and obviously come a lot easier for a tenant to exit the market. It's kind of a lot more challenging for a landlord, but um, in the majority of cases, in the vast majority, I'm talking about 99.1%, 99.9% actually, of cases that um, all tenants pay their, their, their prop look after their property and pay their money on time and they're yeah. not antisocial. Um, and it's very, very few and it's only the ones we get to see um, because they're highlighted, because they're problematic. The typical example is like the news in the media. 
Yeah. Okay. So the flow of new homes to rent is running 7% below the long-term average as renters uh, stay put to avoid rent increases. Um, at the same time, private landlords continue to sell homes to rationalise their portfolios in the face of tax and regulatory change. Um, and, and this is what's caused. Uh, let's look at the next one in the wee graph that shows us this. So here we are here right now. Uh, and this is the, again, we can see the light purple there is January 22, uh, April 22, July uh, July 22, five-year average is the dark uh, one as well. And it shows you, um, look at all the dark ones, way below the average. Yeah. There's 5.2% annual earnings growth every single year here. Mm -hmm. And they're all the way below the five-year average. Every single one of them is above. Uh, here's Scotland here. So Scotland's um, uh, just above there. And then in 20 April, they went up. And then in July, they went up as well. Um, and, and you know, I understand completely why the Scottish government is panicking because they failed to have an adequate housing policy. And now they know it's going to hit the fan and they've got they've got no way out of it. And um, the only way they could do is ask everybody to stop where they are and don't do anything um, and, and until they take a breath. Um, effectively, the Scottish government is now drowning in their inadequate housing policy. Let's put it like that. And now the freezing of the rents and the moratorium on on uh, eviction has now allows them to get up above the surface for a minute and actually take a breath. That's all this is allowing them to do until they go back down into the mire, which they've created themselves, and they'll have to sort it out from there. This is what the problems they've been caused. Um, I've got no, um, I've got no um, qualms about saying that. If anybody's a politician and would like to come on and discuss this openly, I'm free, by the way, um, to talk about it, your inadequate housing policy. And I'll just refer to it as that before you come on. Okay. The signs that annual rental growth um, is close to peaking. Here we go. Here's the sign. Rents are rising quickly across the, all parts of the UK, ranging from 7.6 in the northeast to almost 18% in London. While the annual growth rate has accelerated in the last year, it's starting to plateau. This is what I mean. This is exactly what happened with the house prices as well. Now it's all catching up, starting to level off. Um, in London, the rental price growth um, pace is simply not sustainable. Current growth figures reflect it. Rents rebounding off a low base after a 10% fall during lockdown. That's what they failed to mention. Yeah. There's a 10% fall during lockdown. Average rents in London are currently 7.8% higher than before the pandemic. So then, so it's only 7.8, and yet they're they're trying to say it's 18. 18, yeah. But it's actually 7.8 if you if you walk back to before the pandemic. So it's not that significantly more. Uh, just remind me what inflation is. Oh, it's 10. So 7.8 versus 10. So in real terms, all the landlords in London are actually losing money. Yeah. So compared to the UK average of nearly 13% um, as well. So the UK average, if inflation's at 10, they're at 13, then it's only UK average has only gone up 3% in real terms. Um, and, 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 you know, so let's put this all into perspective. Uh, another important trend is rental growth in the urban areas across the England market, so 10.5%, which is outpacing that of the rural markets, 8.5%, as a strong employment growth drives demand in cities. There's no surprise there. We've got 1.3 million jobs and we've got 1.1 million people chasing them. This is yeah. exacerbating 
um, salary increases as well as employers want to pay more to attract better talent. Uh, they've got no choice and, and they want to pay more because they need to retain their existing talent. Um, and this is what's driving it as well. This was this was this was not present when you think about it in previous in previous uh, rental increases. This other market as well, which was the employment market. So there is a there is a I mean there is a correlation between the um, rental market, the prices in the rental market versus the employment market um, and where that is. Um, there is a strong whether it's a strong correlation or not, I don't know. But I would say there is a correlation between that, and there is some sort of connection in there. Yeah. Um, high levels of new build supply concentrated around city centres also become becoming more appealing to renters looking for smaller homes with lower running costs. So this is why it'll start to peter off as people begin to realise, wait a minute, I could actually go and buy a house because it's yeah. still more affordable to buy um, um, than uh, than actually rent. Um, and we we had actually uh, discussed that. In a, on a previous show, actually, about, you know, will I wait for the property prices to drop? Uh, so if you wait two years, you're going to be paying rent for two years, and you're going to lose that money then, if that's the case. So you may as well just invest in a mortgage now and buy a house now. Uh, so yeah. as one market, and this is always what happened before, Richard, as one market declined in the sales market, for example, the rental market boomed, and vice versa. Yeah. But just now we're seeing this, the, both markets actually increasing. But again, I think it's down to an inadequate housing policy. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I mean, but we covered it time and time again about the inadequacy of housing um, that's available. And I think that, like you say, it's always been the trend that sales will go up and lettings will kind of come down and then vice versa, lettings will go up as sales go down. But they seem to be kind of uh, symbiotically over the last year rising. And I do think that's a direct yeah. reflection of the housing situation. Yeah, and, 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 and employment level has been so high as well. Yeah, uh, and salary increases obviously are going to start marching that as well. And then we're going to pump 95 billion in the economy to actually stop um, the cap, the utilities rising over the next two years from October, which again will give people some sort of strength and resilience to say that, okay, I know where I'm budgeting wise. I don't, I don't need to worry about that. And that factor I have no control over, uh, which is an un, 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 undisclosed figure. Mm -hmm. When you look at it now, it now it is completely disclosed because it's been hedged by the by the by the UK government. Uh, I must admit, by the UK government, not the Scottish government. Not the Scottish. <laughs> um, I'm not pro or against or anything like that. I'm just pointing out the facts here. That's all. So this isn't political. It's me pointing out exactly what's yeah. happening, where it's happening, and who's delivering what the what they're needing to deliver, and where it's coming from. All this money. Uh, so rent rises add to the cost of living squeeze. Do you want to uh, talk about yeah. that a bit, Richard? Yeah, I think while the, the pace um, of rent increases is starting to plateau, like mm -hmm. you say, we, we, we looked at and said it was starting to level out. The question remains, how much higher can rents go? Uh, and this depends on how much headroom renters have to pay higher rents um, when they when they move home. And that's obviously, obviously what their situation is. Are they going to be available to pay the higher rent when they move to another property? Um, and this can vary drastically given that the private rental market caters to a wide range of households and mm. low and high incomes. Um, like I say, obviously, some people in some areas were being priced out of the market because they were on a lower income. Um, a quarter of private rentals, renters receive housing benefit. And our uh, recent report with a, a crisis examines the particular challenges for low income renters who rely 
uh, on the help to on that help to meet their housing costs. So that that's quite uh, interesting because uh, a lot a lot more think tanks are now saying the housing benefit system is going to be the saviour of some of the landlords. Yeah. Because because it's 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 effectively it's it will almost be end up like guaranteed money. Yeah. Um, you know yourself as soon as you go one one month and one day overdue uh, from a tenant, yeah, you can immediately apply universal credit and actually get paid the, the money paid direct to you. Um, yeah, you could apply for the direct I mean, payment once you're at that stage. I don't the, think I don't think even a lot of letting agents actually know that. <laughs> and now the only reason I know that is because obviously, you know, well, I was going to say obviously, but nobody knows that as I used to be the chairman of the National Landlord Association for Scotland, which is part of the UK's biggest landlord association. Um, so I used to be their chairman, but there was a guidelines put out at the point at the point with the uh, DWP, which is the De Department of Work and Pensions, which actually um, said in a guideline to every single person administering housing benefit at that time that um, because the tenancy is set up, you pay in advance for your rent. As soon as as soon as one month passes and you've not paid your rent, and one day after it, you're you're due the next month's rent. They classify that as two months rent and rent and arrears. And if you're two months rent and arrears, you can apply under under law for direct payment of the mandate of universal credit, uh, which is well, which is now the word for uh, local housing allowance, which yeah. was previously the word for housing benefit. Um, so that's why we know what we know, and we know how to do that to make sure it mitigates the losses to a landlord um, if that ever happens in that situation. Rather than actually just keep them saying the tenant's no pain, the tenant's yeah. no pain. It's like yeah, well, well, we know exactly what to do and how to do it and how to head that off of the past straight away. You're right, Jim, and I think um, not just landlords, a lot of agents out there won't be aware of this. Um, and it's a brilliant way, like you say, if times become difficult and you've got a tenant who's in receipt of benefits or obviously housing benefit, universal credit, whatever it may be, you can do the direct payment. Yeah. Um, and and it's guaranteed rent, basically. I'll not, I don't blame them, Richard. Honestly, uh, and and it was a classic example we used to use all the time is if, if, a, if a tenant's on universal credit and they're getting money paid towards their um, their housing benefits, their housing costs, and you're paying it into their hands every single month, and it's their responsibility to pass it on to you as the landlord or the letting yeah. agent, it's difficult to justify that <laughs> if you need new shoes for your children. Yeah, um, and I think that's where and I get that straight away. And 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 the most difficult time is is difficult to justify that as well. Um, and and there's often a case where you know we have had it in Christmas as well, where it's like I've got I've got nothing. I need I need, and it's like well okay, but these costs are for your housing. They're not for your living. Yeah. Um, and you're supposed to pass them on to us for for that reason. So it's not it's it's a difficult decision um, for some people. A very few minority to actually say to them, God, it's like five hundred pounds. It's like you know that's that's almost what I get every month, yeah. and and I'm getting that from 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 my housing costs, and and the temptation to use that for something other than your housing costs is is is, is pretty high when you're when you're on the breadline. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't I don't get that, and that's why it's important uh, why you have to be able to head that off at the pass as a letting agent or a landlord, um, if, in case it does happen for the first time. So you don't just what doesn't happen the next day. Yeah, I mean, it, it never used to be that. Never used to be the case when it was just housing benefit. We would have people agree and willingly agree at the beginning of the tenancy. I don't even want to see the rent. Just have it paid straight to you, and that's it. But obviously, with universal credit coming through automatically, it goes straight to the tenant. 
And like you say, if people are at that end of the market and, and obviously struggling with um, making ends meet, then it's quite difficult for them to part with that, yeah. although they should be because it's not for that purpose. Um, However, they, do, they do use However, it for If you can demonstrate to universal credit from the beginning that the tenant has a problem with money and handling money, and they've previously had that problem with yeah. money, universal credit will pay it direct to you straight away. Yeah. Uh, and we're aware of that as well and what procedures in order to do that. And um, so, again, that's another way to um, uh, to make sure that everything's done properly and make sure the landlord is protected equally. Uh, more importantly, make sure the tenant's protected. It is, but I just because, going to say it protects the tenant as well. Yeah, of course, because it keeps a roof over their head. Because if you've got a landlord that needs to pay their bills and they can't, they have no rent coming in, then they can't pay the bills. Therefore, you know what happens next. If they've got no more money, it's repossession route. And then, therefore, the, the, the property is taken off the market, the tenant's evicted, and they've got nowhere to go. And that's one less property out of the, out of the rental market and, and a, in a market which is extremely difficult just now for supply. Um, so you don't want that to happen. So that's that's a case of, of course, of making sure that the, the tenant's protected and looked after, and that's a good way to do it. Uh, typical pattern of yeah. affordability. Yeah, I was just going to say this kind of this kind of highlights what what I was just talking about earlier. So the typical pattern of rental affordability it does vary by location and income level. Uh, now, just stress again, this is obviously like it refers to the uh, UK as a whole, and this is like the latest English housing survey from 2020 to 2021. Asked renters how easy or difficult they find rental costs. Yeah, now, three quarters of private. Here. Sorry. Yeah, I've yeah. got that from you, Tom. So three quarters of private renters said they found rental payments very or fairly easy, while 25% found them fairly or very difficult to pay. So there's a big difference there. So that's three quarters to a quarter. So three quarters of them find it uh, easier uh, or fairly easy, uh, as opposed yeah. to a quarter who maybe struggle a wee bit more. So you can see that there. I mean, everything that's in purple is the ones that find it difficult to pay their rent. Yeah. Um, every every other one, and you know, in the black itself, actually <laughs> finds it pretty straightforward to pay their rent. Yeah. So it is a very, very uh, uh, restrictive In comparison, it's a small minority. Because yeah. everybody thinks everybody's not able to pay their rent. And in actual fact, that's not the case when the survey's been done. And that's yeah. off the, the northern, the Midlands, the south, and the London, and then also the lowest income people. Look, still two-thirds of people in the yeah. lowest income bracket actually said uh, they found it was easy for them to pay their rent. Uh, the middle income bracket um, was again about uh, over two-thirds. Um, uh, found it easy, and the highest income bracket about eight to seven percent, which was you know which is quite high. You would expect that anyway. Uh, found yeah. it easy as well, but it just shows you it's the, there's the impression given out there that everybody finds it difficult to pay the rent. When natural fact, it's not the case when they're asked. Yeah, and I mean that that um, doesn't surprise me. With the lowest income people, typically the property that they're in, their local housing allowance that they're granted will cover. Um, if not be more than what their rent is. And, that, and we demonstrated yeah. that last week. It's the marginal people you've got to worry about. Though. Yes. Um, it's the people with the lowest incomes, but they're actually, they don't get the help from the universal credit. There's a fine line with the crossover from um, from getting help to not getting help. Yep. And the marginal, the marginal gain by not getting help is a lot less than what it is with getting help, if that makes sense. Um, Probably a classic example of that, Richard. I only remember it as as I was a, as I was a student. Uh, so when I was a student, I had to contribute twenty percent towards my rent, even though I'm not earning anything, yeah. and I didn't have any money coming in. If I was unemployed, it would be paid for me a hundred percent. And yet, 
being a student, I was actually learning to educate myself to you were further better, better myself. For the betterment of yourself to then yeah. obviously contribute and, to so, that. And, and I scratched system. my head often and thought, and it's still the same system today. It's because you're not available for work if you're at a college. Therefore, they won't give you as much help because of that reason. How absurd is that? That is absurd because, I mean, without educating yourself to obtain a better job or a better position, how yeah. else are you going to do it? So, yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a catch-22. And that's why a lot of people uh, feel a bit disheartened when they're in that position. But it's and like, that's, why, that's why and you almost get people who are caught in a poverty trap because of the benefit system and the way it's yeah. created. And and it doesn't. There's nothing. There's nothing to give them that transitional no. leap, and um, where they can actually get out of that and get onto the proper earning ladder, um, and and help them support that. Most people that are unemployed want and, and are getting help want to get out of that and want to go out and work and want to provide something and want to do something. But the difficulty of that is because their education level isn't that high, they can only get jobs which can pay minimum wage. And it just and that's where it doesn't kick in anymore. Yeah. Any help. Because the position they're already in is more beneficial. High rental costs, which are paid by for the government already and subsidized by the government, and they've got um doesn't allow them to take that leap and actually and actually yeah. and actually be not better off, but even where they are right now in terms of income, it actually they actually sets them back on their yeah. journey. And people say, "Well, you've got to struggle and all the rest of it." It's like that's all very well, but but the the system rewards people to stay where they are. Yeah, it does, and it does, and it, and a lot of people in that position they look at their, their circumstances and feel like it's, it's it's more beneficial for them to stay where they are and do what they're doing. Um, so together lot, with own data and rent affordability, do we believe that? further headroom for above average growth in the less expensive areas of the UK? Do you think there's, there's, yeah, probably. Yeah. Sorry, you lost me there because you moved, you moved on. It's all right. I mean, I mean, just, I'm talking in general. I'm just thinking, yeah, yeah, what, right. what's your thoughts now? I mean, rent's rising faster at the top end of the market. What, yeah, I was just going to say, let's look at, look at rents at the top end of the market. And it's another important consideration for rental affordability uh, as yeah. whether rental growth is being driven at the top end um, or the bottom end of the market. Um, asking rents for about, for two bedroom flats are rising faster at the top end with about 25% of the market with growth uh, lagging across the bottom 25% uh, of the market where mm -hmm. demand is more price sensitive. Um, yeah. For a three bedroom house there is less of a difference but in many regions the asking rents um, and the more affordable segments are, are rising fast yeah. um, and as a rented family a home becomes less attainable, demand for two bedroom flats continues to climb. And that's what we spoke about at the beginning. And we've spoke about that previously leading up to this, Jim, as well. With with renters looking for, for better value for money, but more importantly, landlords getting better returns as well. Yeah. Because the flats, and, the, and as I did my UK house price update this morning, mm -hmm. flats are still quite low in comparison to terraced houses, semi-detached and detached. Yeah. In actual fact, a flat is, is like about a quarter, maybe a, a third or a, a quarter to a third of the price of a, a, a detached house on average. And mm -hmm. um, so it makes it far better for somebody as an investor to buy the flat and actually rent it to someone and make it absolutely beautiful inside for them. And uh, and it's more affordable for them, but it's, it's yeah. a better return for the for the investor landlord as well. Yeah, you're seeing, I've seen some really nice two bedroom flats or apartments, if you want to call them that. We've done a show about flats and apartments as yeah. well, but done to a really high standard and um, they're, they're achieving really uh, reasonably good 
rental values, which aren't too out the box, but are such a good return for what, the, what they're picking the property up for. Do you think more and more times we're going to become more and more European? Because, you know, Europe and all that in America, they all live in apartments and flats. Yeah, and I think as, as we move forward, that people are going to start to choose to rent a lot more and uh, choose the, the flats and apartments. Yeah. What about rent rising for, for far more uh, slowly for non-movers? You know, yeah. where are we with that? Well, obviously, um, for non-movers at the moment, we've got the rent freeze, so that's not going to change the, yeah. the rental price at the moment. But the average renter moves every four years. So mm -hmm. our new lets index shows the experience. This is obviously Zupla's index. The experience of 25% um, of renters moving and renting a, a new home. Um, so the ONS rental index tracks the rental growth across all rented homes, yeah. um, including data on households who are moving as well as those remaining in their uh, their, their uh, current property. So it shows yeah. the current it shows the current rent across all rented homes are three point seven percent higher uh, compared to July twenty twenty one. So yeah. that's this graph here. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the Office of National Statistics. Yeah. Uh, uh, collate this. Um, uh, this is all the statistics from all the areas in the letting agents and that. And this shows you the top one there, which is that 3.7, is it? No, the 3.2% is yeah. the UK rental index on all homes, right? Um, is 3.2%. Is that right? Yep. And the 3.7% there is the UK um, rental index excluding London. Excluding London, it's all homes excluding London at 3.7. Yep. And Zoopla UK rent index for new lets is the thick purple line, which is 12.3%. Yeah, and that's because as as people are reletting, they're obviously reviewing the rents. They're reviewing and, the rents. It's, yeah. it's, it's only, you know what's you know what's driven this forward? <laughs> what's driven this forward, Richard, is really the, the interest rate rises. Now landlords are looking at it and they're actually saying to themselves, look, if, if base rates are going to go up, my, my financing is going to go up. Therefore, when I now relet a property, which is where that 12.3% 12, 12 is coming from, I'm now going to have to review my rent. Now, I've had my rent historically low for the last 10 years, so I'm going to have to put up quite a bit. Now, this is my argument all the time where I keep saying to people, if you're, you should be reviewing your rent as an investor landlord every single year and maybe putting up 1% or 2%. Yeah. And the reason for that is not to be greedy. Um, that's not what the whole point is, not to get more money. The reason for that is to introduce any rent increases over a, over a smoother period or a longer term than actually saying to someone, by the way, your rent's going up 12%. Yeah, yeah. do but small changes year on year rather yeah. than... And, and that allows, because obviously inflation goes up and costs go up, therefore the landlord's able to reinvest back in the property to look after the tenant. After all, when a boiler goes, you know, a boiler years ago to fit was £1,000. Now a boiler today is two thousand two hundred. Yeah. So there's a huge difference in costs. Um, where does that come from? It clearly has to come from the rent. It can't. You know, the, the landlord's know there is a registered charity just to put his hand in his pocket and say there you go. And e equally, either as a housing association and either as the council as well. Mm -hmm. So you know, you have to sustain a business, um, and you have to make a what we call profit. Housing associations call it a surplus. Um, so you have to make a surplus over and above. In order to reinvest back into the into the stock, into the housing, in order to look after the tenant, yeah, that's simple practice. Uh, also, you have to take into account the well. Some tenants actually trash houses and they actually don't pay for it. So therefore, you have to take that money and you have to reinvest that back in. And that's what I keep saying to people: if if a tenant doesn't pay my rent, 
I don't lose out because I don't take the rent out anyway. The only person that loses out is another tenant because what happens is they don't get a kitchen or a bathroom earlier than they thought. That's all, because that's yeah. all that pays for. So if I lose £5,000 if somebody moves out and just does a runner, the only person that loses out is the next person that moves in um, or another tenant somewhere else because that money has to come from somewhere else in order to pay for that. It is a business after all, and we're in the business of looking after people. We're in a service-based business. We're not in the business of houses. We're in a service-based business. We're looking after people. Uh, and then to pay people like yourselves. You know, if you don't, if you, if you want to make sure you're professionally looked after, then you go to a letting agent to actually manage the, to, to, to rent the property from, because they'll manage it as well at the same time. So you're not constantly asking a landlord who keeps saying to you, um, or a, a self-managed landlord who keeps saying to you, I'm busy at work now. Could you call me later on? It's like, I but there's water pissing out everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like, or or there's an electrical wire and it's and it's frayed and it's it's, it's live. It's like, or there's a gas leak. I but I but can you can you can I phone you later on once I've finished my work? What good is that? That's why you have a professional waiting agent to do that for yeah. you. Um, that's why we endorse that all the time. So that's that graph that we discussed. Yeah, the graph, and, and I think you see that, uh, and it shows you. I, and and then the last one there is the uh, the um, um, UK Zoopla rent index, excluding London. Excluding London, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that exactly. puts things into perspective about why that is so much. But when you look at right across the board over there, Richard, um, rents are only really rising about 3.7% since July. Yeah. See that? So there. And then we've got July 2016. And 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So they've only ever increased a small amount each year. They've not had huge increases like we've expected. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Renters are actually seeking smaller homes. We've actually talked about this. And the lower running costs are leading edge. Uh, Zupa's leading edge data on rental demand shows that the renters are responsible for rising rents, uh, to uh, responding to rising rents and cost of living pressures by shifting their focus um, into smaller homes, um, primarily two-bedroom flats, actually. Uh, we have seen yeah. a steady, they've seen a steady reduction in the proportion of renters looking for two- and three-bedroom houses and an increase in the demand for one- and two-bedroom flats over 2021 to 2022. Um, this trend has been accelerating in the recent weeks, they're actually saying. Now, they'll see it firsthand because they're seeing it straight onto their websites, aren't they? They'll see the number of hits getting onto properties. The shift in demand partially reflects localised changes in supply, but the overriding impact reflects affordability and the cost of living concerns. Uh, outside London, the current difference in rents charged for a two-bedroom flat and a three-bedroom house is £105 per month, as I said in the headline, uh, economic indicators, um, which translates into £1,260 per year in rental costs, um, in additional rental costs. Um, it's it's not just a rental cost uh, shaping demand, though. Lower running costs of smaller homes will also have a growing appeal to these uh, exact same people. Um, yeah, and that's where the two-bed flat popularity comes in. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Let's have a wee, let's look at this wee graph we've got here. Here we go. Here we go here. So this actually looks at um, one-bedroom flats, two-bedroom uh, two houses and three-bedroom houses as we go through. Rent and demand shifts to two-bedroom flats, better value, lower running costs. So um, here we go. There's 2020, 21, yep. uh, 2022, and then July to August right now. So you can That's see right that one-bed yeah. flats are starting to increase in demand, the share of demand. Uh, two-bed flats are starting to increase, and you can see the two-bedroom houses and the three-bedroom houses going down as well. Yeah. So with yeah, that, and then, 
With that in tow, right now, what should people be investing in? One and two bedroom flats. Two eh? flat, aye, flats, two bedroom flats. Right. I would actually safely say, I would say to people mostly, um, you should invest in possibly a two or a three bedroom flat. A three bedroom flat is nice because it gives somebody maybe a home office to work on and have two bedrooms for their uh, for children or yep. visiting children or maybe grandchildren. Um, so that, and, and plus the fact, um, you could always rent a, a three bedroom flat at a two bedroom rate if you have to, whereas you can't rent a one bedroom flat at a two bedroom rate no. if you have to. So you've got nowhere else to go, a one-bedroom flat, except one-bedroom flat. And it's a limited market because you'll have most people wanting two-bedroom flats. Um, so I would always say go for two- and three-bedroom flats if you're in apartments if you're going for anything. But I would yeah. say predominantly flats. It's, you know, lower value, better standard in sight. Let's yeah, just I think say that's that. the important thing as well. I mean, people might look at two-bedroom flats or two- and three-bedroom flats and, and be obviously attracted by the price point and then what we could yeah. potentially get in return. But you're only going to get that return if you've got it to a good standard. And yeah, that's absolutely. the important thing. Yeah. If, if, and I always say the good benchmark is that if you would live in the flat yourself once you've finished it, then it's ready for rent. Yeah. If you wouldn't live in that flat yourself once you've finished it, it's not yet ready for rent. You need to finish it to the standard you want, um, yeah. within reason. Remember, because um, obviously you, you wouldn't put. I mean, if standard if somebody else wants is like, I want a German kitchen and all the rest of it. It's like, no, that's <laughs> not going to happen. Mid 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 market kitchen, I yeah. would say, mid range kitchen. Mid range yeah. one, yeah. Nice one out of maybe Magnet, um, B and Q. Um, B and Q do quite a good ones now. Yeah, B and is really good. I've actually yeah, changed it's... from Howden's to B and Q. Uh, recently and yeah. i do get someone to install magnet kitchens a uh, contractor actually just does it all for me from start yeah. to finish and we don't get involved in it at all they just do it in project manager uh, so here's the next thing rising energy costs uh, are adding to shift in rental demand yeah well why is that in addition to the rental payments running costs and energy bills are, are are lower for flats than houses um, especially new build uh, rented properties and apartments uh, which have a, have a much higher energy efficiency rating the amount of gas it takes to heat and run a purpose-built flat over 12 months is 40 percent lower 40 percent like that's for every thousand pound you're actually just you're saving 400, 400 quid. yeah i mean that's um, near half uh, yeah that's that's crazy so when you look at the two and a half thousand capped rate you, if you went from a house to a flat on average, then you would be saving uh, 40%, 40%, 200, a thousand pound. Yeah. Effectively, a thousand pound, I guess. So you'd be saving a thousand pound of that. So your bill for a, a flat would be 1,500 as opposed to 2,500 if it was on that cap tree. Um, so that's, that's in comparison to a terraced house. And it's 25% lower for a converted flat. Um, a one-bed home requires less than half of the gas that's needed for a three-bedroom home. That's 50% less. Yeah. Um, so, again, that will come down significantly. Uh, while a D and E-rated homes require 25% to 48% more gas compared to a C-rated home. That's a big jump. Hence the reason why the Scottish government, and I will, I will call them out on that for being you know, progressive towards that, making yeah. sure that all new rental properties which are, are, are going to have to be C by 2025 and yep. um, for the existing ones and 2028 is for what sorry for existing tenancies oh existing but all new ones in 2025 will yep. have to be C. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, cost of living pressures build, renters will be looking to balance the combined impact of renting uh, and running costs as they make home moving decisions. Uh, we expect um, the appeal of apartments and flats and the energy efficient houses to set a further uh, a rise further in 2023 as people move into them. Um, the calls for rent controls. Do you want to cover this? Yeah, okay. I mean, um, in the periods of fast rental growth, which obviously we are experiencing fast rental growth, but we've explained why that is, uh, because yeah. not, there hasn't been any for a long time. But the topic of controlling or moder uh, moderating rents has often um, comes to the fore. So some countries and cities and governments have tools to control rent increases, um, and this helps them manage the affordability. The Scottish Government has announced plans to control rents to ease the cost of living pressures. Uh, there are many formats for these controls, often with the rent set at the market rate upfront and then successive increases linked to the rate of the consumer price inflation or wage growth. So obviously yeah. they need to look at it in comparison to obviously how, how wages and inflation uh, is growing alongside that, which we've just spoke about recently, isn't really happening. Yeah. Um, the focus of the UK government is the taxation of landlords and regulations to improve standards of rental housing. Uh, rather than controlling rents, UK landlords have some of the toughest tax uh, treatments and the upcoming rental reform bill in England um, will improve the standard of homes, but will also increase costs further for landlords. So yeah. against the regulatory backdrop, talk of possible rent controls will simply push more landlords to exit the sector worsening the supply issue and ultimately cause rents to increase. Yeah. I'm about to call bullshit out in the government, by the way, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, affordability in line with the long-term running average. Uh, here we go right now. Look at this. Yeah. Since 2009, here we go. There's the long-term long running average, 33%, yeah. mm -hmm. and there's the affordability since 2009. It's been exactly the same, if not under the long-term yeah. average. So the word is bullshit to the government saying that people can't afford their rents because this clearly indicates that is not the case and it's mm -hmm. always been affordable in terms of the long-term running average. You maybe pick out sound bites and individual people that will come on the news and tell you they can't afford their rent because they've not got two hatenies to rub together. But the reality is, in essence, in the scope of the majority, everybody can afford it and it's still extremely affordable in comparison to what it is on the long-term average since 2009. So the word to the government is bullshit. You're lying again to suit your purpose. At the UK level of affordability rent is broadly in line with the long-term average uh, run average. The chart uh, I've just shown demonstrates that affordability is still well below uh, the 2015 mark with rental growth looking to have plateaued, uh, we expect, uh, Zucla expects the measure of affordability to flatten out over the next few quarters. Um, affordability is a major challenge in many households, especially with those on lower incomes. Um, this is not affordability of rent, remember. This is because they can't afford utilities and yeah. food. And it's like the government's blaming the people that are renting for that and asking them to contribute towards that yeah. in some yeah. sort of way by rent controls. Uh, a recent work with the crisis, who's, who Zupla's done recently, demonstrated a gap between housing benefit payments and market rents, outlining the case for a re-rated benefit payments to support the supply of affordable private rented homes. Uh, in addition, so they're, they're thinking about increasing the housing benefit payments, 
Uh, yep. By all means, you can increase it if you want, but to be honest, they're they're fine for me. And they're, and, they're fine at the level. Yeah. They are at the and if you increase it, you know what's going to happen. I'll just give people more. I'll just put it back in. Um, in addition to the levels of uh, rent, it's important that policymakers focus on the supply side problems in the rented sector. That's the government, the long-term um, uh, housing uh, policy has uh, failed miserably. Uh, UK and Scottish, by the way, as the two are intrinsically linked. Um, now, we need, uh, this is where they say Zupla needs to ensure policies and regulations, and we need to ensure policies and regulations are there to encourage as many decent landlords as possible to remain in the sector. We yeah. need them to remain in the sector. You cannot lose the private landlords. The whole of the Edinburgh financial services sector would be wiped out if you lost all the private landlords in Edinburgh, because that's what sustains everybody that works in these industries. Um, so you need that market. You can't just do that overnight. Uh, otherwise, the market will start to decline in size, causing rents to increase again. Uh, quickly, do you want to review the outlook for the rest of the year in 2023? Yeah, I mean, the outlook for the rest of 2023, there is no real uh, prospect of a significantly improved rental supply in the, in the near term, which obviously we're not surprised mm -hmm. about. As private landlords continue to sell off homes and renters stay put for longer, uh, higher mortgage rates will compound uh, the pressure on demand, making it harder for would-be first-time buyers to stop renting and purchase their home yeah. or their first mm -hmm. home. The imbalance in supply and demand is here to stay, and rents will continue to rise above average levels into 2023 uh, across the more affordable markets. Um, there is a headroom for some renters to pay more, especially outside of London and the southeast, uh, where rental affordability will remain a drag on demand. Now, remember when we talk about this as UK as a whole, but yeah, I think yeah. it's all relevant um, as we. Well, we are expecting rent to slow over the quarter four, which is coming up and into 2023, yeah. but it's unlikely to happen extremely quickly. And this is because of, again, I'll come back to saying the failure of the, the governments to have an adequate housing policy yeah. and, and seem to think that this is the saving grace to just uh, pick on us. Um, OK, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Richard. Really appreciate that. Any final words on this before we finish off? Yeah, I think I think although there is a bit of hype about all oh, rental prices are through the roof, and there, I mean there isn't there is a shortage of property. I think we've demonstrated that the majority of people at, at, at both ends of the market aren't um, struggling with the rent as at the levels that they are. They have increased. People just think it's a vast increase because rents have not changed so long uh, for so long. Yeah. But um, I think as things are, we as I've just said there, this this trend of um, lack of supply will continue into 2023. Yeah. My final question is, if you're a tenant out there and you are genuinely struggling with your rent, please speak to your landlord, speak to your yeah, landlord, uh, speak to your lending agent as well. Make sure, because um, after all, they are there to help you. We want people to stay in their tenancy as long as possible. It makes it really easy for us as well um, and to look after you as well. Um, and it doesn't cause any hassle. Um, that's all we want and that's what everybody wants. Um, so there's nobody's going to immediately say if you come to us and say, or any 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 decent landlord, any decent agent, which is the majority of them, uh, if you come to them and say, look, you know, I'm going to struggle. Um, is there a way around this? Can we work with us? Uh, by all means, approach them and say that because they should be welcome you with open arms and communicate with you properly. Uh, so that's the most important thing as a tenant you should take away. Do not bury your head in the sand. Do not do anything else because you'll just back the landlord into a corner and they'll have they'll have no option but uh, eviction. That's it. When, when it comes along in March, um, they'll have no option but to do that. 
Um, yep. So hopefully that's given everyone a great insight into the rental UK market right now and also how it applies to Fife and overall and housing policy. And uh, and we'll, we'll see you later. Bye-bye for now. Thanks, Joe. Bye.